Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good morning, Grace. How y'all doing this morning? All right, don't you worry. We're going to try it again. You know how I roll. We're going to try this again until you sound half decent. Good morning, Grace. How y'all doing this morning? Yeah, y'all know third time's the charm because that was just frankly not good enough. Good morning, Grace. How are you doing? Man, slightly better. I like that. It's progress, not perfection. We'll get there one day. <laughs> well, good morning. Listen, we, need to just, we just need to engage our beautiful neighbors this morning because we are a family here. If you are a part of the Grace family, uh, I hope you just know how much beauty is going on around here, even in the midst of a global pandemic, even in the midst of crazy political climate. There's so much beauty going on up here in the hill. Every ministry that's still functioning here, just where we meet every avenue, all the way through the Dream Center where needs are being met, food's being given out, clothing's being given out, people are getting fit in Jesus' name in the new year, hallelujah. So much is going on, and I hope that you just feel that here. Grace is so much more than a Sunday. I hope you know that, as is Jesus. But I need you to turn to a a neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, you look good. And I need you to turn to another neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, you could have done better this morning. Y'all, depending on who you just chose, some fights will happen after this service. All right, don't involve me. You said it, okay? Uh, My name is Phil Cook. I'm the pastor of students here. Everybody say hi, Phil. Hi, Hi, friends. The reason I tell you my name every single week and ask you to say hi back to me is because pretty regularly I have people make comments like this. I really liked when the young guy taught. (laughs) Okay, that happened like yesterday. I have a name, okay? It's F-I-L. <laughs> Phil. I'm really excited to be here for a, a lot of reasons. One, because I absolutely love my Grace family. I love this church. This has been my home for a hot minute. Um, and when you find a church that's your home, it's just really good. Anybody say amen? amen. Uh, but on top of that, I believe God's going to say something today. And I don't say that loosely. I'm not really the type that's just going to get up here and be like, the Lord has given me a word every day of the week. But I think he did today. Um, even as we were in the pre-prayer service, if any of you know Teresa Capel, she is just this wonderful, beautiful woman of God. And she just does all the behind the scenes stuff that you don't know about. Yeah, we can clap for her if you know her. Oh, yeah. And she was praying and she prays for you a lot. And she was praying and she, she said she felt God was prompting this, that the room was going to be full of some people who might not feel worthy today, who in different avenues of their life may have feelings of unworthiness today. And what's wild about her praying that is she had zero idea what my message was going to be about today, but today we're going to talk a lot about who God says we are and how worthy we are in his eyes. So I don't know if in this, even before we start in this moment, you're like, holy moly, this is about to be for me. It might just be. And I pray that you would lean in. So before we uh, start, I'm going to pray for us that our hearts would be prepared. Okay, so would you pray with me? 
Jesus, you are so good. I thank you for this family right here, whether we're online or in the room. God, when two or more gathered in your name, you promise you're present. Can we not just say that? Can we stop right now and acknowledge that means you're in the room? Are we sensitive to it? I want to be more sensitive to it. And we thank you that you are constantly fighting for us. You're constantly interceding on our behalf. And you are the person who tells us who we are, God. So this morning, I pray that we don't leave the same way we walked in, that we walk out a different way this morning, God. And you're the only person who could do it. We invite you into this time and trust you. I pray for the person in this room who needs to hear what you have to say today. Would their hearts be prepared for it? Would they not be worried about what's going on around them? Would they be entered into this moment because the God of the universe might have something to say? And we just thank you for that, that you speak to us, that you're that intimate with us, that you want to get down close with us and speak to us individually. Even in a room full of hundreds of people, you can speak to us. And we thank you for that, God. Prepare our hearts, soften our hearts. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. First thing I want to do is show you a picture, okay? Once my iPad reopens. I'm going to start off with this. This is my family, okay? Everybody say, aww. Aww. That's baby Brindley. Baby Brindley is four months old. Um, that's my, listen, y'all. That's my now three-year-old because her birthday's today. Come on. Somebody say happy birthday, Evie. She's back there, look, look at everybody see her in the mirror back there, she's looking through the mirror, that's her. She's back there right now. Look, she's waving, hi! Happy birthday, girl, we love you. She's back there because when I teach, she gets excited that I'm talking and she wants to be up here, it doesn't work like that. I'll show you another picture real quick. It's me and my baby girls. They are the, the light of my life. All right, now why do I show you that? I don't show you these pictures because they have anything to do with my message at all. They have nothing to do, but statistics say if I show you pictures of my family, you're more likely to listen, okay? <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> I'm gonna briefly recap the first couple weeks, uh, okay, uh, of our John series called Knowing Jesus, the journey to know Jesus. One of the kind of taglines of this has been know and believe or believe and know. Uh, ben killed it the first week, and he talked about acknowledging and thanking God for the witnesses to the light in our life. And I don't know about you guys, but when he challenged us with that, I texted like six or seven different people that I hadn't talked to in like literal years who have been a part of pointing me to where I'm at now. And I just got to connect with them and thank them for what they've been to me in my life, and it was awesome. And then last week, Mark Fair got up here and just absolutely slayed it, you know what I'm saying, Zelda-style. And he just has so many good tidbits that I took away. But what he said about John the Baptist as we studied that second part of John is that everything John the Baptist did pointed to Jesus. His entire life pointed to Jesus, and ours is a call to do the same. And, and I really had to challenge myself, of like, what areas of my life don't I do that? And I brought that. And now we're continuing into John 1, 35 through 51. And we're just going to dive right in. We're going to read through it. We're going to break it down. We're, we're in this like unique series where we're kind of going verse by verse. But like some of the interactions in this passage, and I hope you're reading along with us, are so, so, so significant. And we're going to talk about why. But I'm going to read it. Uh, and you guys can read along in your bookies if you got them. There's some out there in the lobby if you don't have them. But they'll be on the screens as well. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. We're going to talk a lot about that. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, 
Where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him for that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, also important. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter, important. The next day, then, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to them, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We'll talk about that. Philip said to him, it is a fitting passage too, because I'm in this, if you didn't know. I was alive back then. Come and see, Jesus said. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you have heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending Oh, man. Here's where we're going to go, and we're, we're going to get right into this. The first two verses of this. So, so Mark talked about John the Baptist in depth. He talked about what John the Baptist means, what he did, and what it can uh, uh, mean to us with the application of our lives. And the story picks up right back in it. We're reading this joint verse by verse. So the very next three verses, two verses say this. The next day, so this is after we have uh, an explanation of John the Baptist, and, and the Pharisees have come to him and kind of questioned him who he is, and Mark talked about the importance of that. It says, the next day again, John was standing with, the, with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by. It's just so casual. Like, imagine if Jesus just, like, walked through the room, and then we were just like, oh, there he goes. <laughs> as Jesus walked by, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Here's point number one. Here's point number one. We're getting right into it. There are things we have to leave behind in order to move forward with Jesus. There's things we have to leave behind in order to move forward with Jesus. So, so when we're walking through this thing that we call faith, this faith walk, once you meet Jesus, encounter him, and believe in him for your salvation, you begin this lifelong journey of following him. The Bible defines it as sanctification, walking step by step, learning what he has for you, letting the old become new. The purposes, plans, and places he has for you, the things he wants you to accomplish, the things he wants you to affect, the people he wants you to have an impact on, and the things he wants you to grow and change, all are a part of this process, but so often while we believe who Jesus is and what he did for us, we struggle to actually really follow it. Like, it's one thing to say, well, I believe in Jesus for what he did for me, and it's an entire other thing to actually walk it out with your life, right? And I think a lot of us in the room can say, not only is that right, but we understand that it's hard. We struggle to do what he says sometimes. We struggle to know what he wants us to do. Anybody feel that? God, what do you want me to do? I've prayed 433 times about this, and I don't feel that clarity yet. And then we struggle to change habits, maybe, or old ways, or there's things that we want to get rid of, and we just frankly aren't doing it. And the disciples here, in this story, in this instance, they believe who Jesus is because John the Baptist points and says, that's the Lamb of God. But what comes next that we have to see that I think sometimes we would read this passage and just skip right over it. It says, I'm going to go back so you can read it. It says this, 
Behold the Lamb of God. The two, two disciples heard him say this. They believed and they followed. Well, what do we have to understand out of this passage is that for them to follow, they had to leave something. They had to leave John the Baptist. John the Baptist was an incredibly influential person at the time. In fact, it says from Isaiah, he was the one proclaiming make way for the Son of God. He was a big deal. And on top of that, if it says that they were his disciples. Well, what do we know about disciples both now and then? That means they did life with this guy. They walked closely with him. They would have really, really loved and had affection for this man. They followed him. But it says that they had to leave him to follow Jesus. <clears throat> leave something they really loved, and even a good thing, to follow Jesus. There are things we have to leave behind in order to follow Jesus. The Bible's full of stories of people who had to leave things to grow in their faith. Like, you don't read any Bible story about Elijah or Jonah or Moses or Abraham or Paul. None of the stories go like this. I believed in Jesus, went to church on Sundays, and then changed the world. None of them go like that. Why? Because they knew to get to that next step of faith, that next season of impact, that next level to which God was calling them. They had to leave something behind. You know why? Because when we hold to things like this, our hands aren't open for what God has for us. The disciples had to leave something. So my question for you, my first question for you this morning is, what have you refused to leave that's holding you back from your next step with God? That could be something that you've been holding on to for a day or a week. That could be something you've been holding on to for a decade. And, and the reality is you've probably known it. But it's not easy, so we're going to keep talking. One of the things we do from stage here at Grace, and that's why I think a lot of people love this family, is that anybody who gets on stage here, we believe in transparency. I call it being hot, honest, open, transparent. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm going to be hot this morning for the sake of us being able to relate, knowing that none of us are doing this alone. None of us are without fault. And that's why we get up here, and we're just real, because we're all people trying to pursue God. I'm going to give you a few examples from my past and present. As to things I had to leave behind or am working on leaving behind to get to the next step with what God would have for me. A big one from college was smoking weed, marijuana, ganja, whatever you want to call it. Man, I'm just going to be frank with you. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to keep it hot. I like that. You know what I'm saying? It makes you feel a certain way. Blah, 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 hoo, da, hada. But as I began to, like, God, if you haven't heard my testimony, God did like one of these in college and a lot of things changed really, really, really fast. Can't really explain it other than the fact that God's good. One of the hardest things for me to get rid of was weed. Just gonna be, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm going to be honest about it. It was really hard for me. And then I came up with all the excuses. If you've ever had a conversation with someone, obviously marijuana is a hot topic. It's becoming legal and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to keep blah, blah, blah because it doesn't matter. But I made all the excuses. It's not that bad for you. It comes from the ground. So, you know, let me. Okay, anyways. You know, it, it's going to be legal one day. So, you know, what's, what's the big deal? You know, these things are way worse. But then as I started to pursue my faith a little bit deeper, stop making excuses, I read verses out of like 1 Peter 4, which say, be alert and of sober mind for the sake of your prayers. It implies that if we aren't alert and of sober mind, our prayers are messed up. And as I started to grow in this, I just started to realize that there was no place for me to really grow in God and also be getting stoned all the time. I mean, just that's just the facts of the matter. Well, that was one thing. So I had to leave something behind to move forward, and it's been a solid... Well, how old am I? Shoot, man, I'm going to start counting now. It's been like six years, seven years, you know, and I don't need that stuff anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? How about another one? My language. Yeah, come on. God's good. God's good. Yeah, praise him. 
Another one, my language. So, so even back into my childhood, I didn't cuss a lot, but, but I, I just was not nice to people. Like I would intentionally say hurtful words. Like my dad's here, he can attest to that. He whopped my bottom a few times for saying some words to my sisters. But then as I got into college, that, that heart inclination to be rude or whatever just developed into even worse language, right? Because religion doesn't do squat for you unless you know Jesus. So I went to church, but the minute I was out of it, things just got worse because there was an internal heart problem. That's the entire gospel that this has to change before anything else will change. When I got to college, mom, I just like, I was like a sailor, y'all. I mean, it was whatever. Honestly, my favorite exclamation was Jesus Christ. Know anybody like that? I claim to be a Christian, yet my number one exclamation when the Bible says don't take the Lord's name in vain is just to yell Jesus Christ. And I remember one of the very first things in college God taught me was I read out of like Ephesians 4 where it says this, y'all. We don't like these verses. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It doesn't say like the stuff you think's okay or like what you want to justify. It says no unwholesome talk. So in college, God told me you're done cussing. So even now, if you sit with me in like a one-on-one setting where we're just being relaxed and it's not even in like a demeaning way or whatever, I'm just often not going to do that if, if ever because God changed that in me. I had to leave it behind to move forward. One, one more that's massive for me, and I could put these words, is, is ego. Gosh, y'all, let me just be, be hot. I love myself. <laughs> like, yo, it is good to love yourself. Let's be really clear. It's a, it's a problem if you don't love yourself. You need to love yourself, but there's a level of loving yourself that's just too much. And God, man, like from, from college, one of the number one things God showed me is I read verses out of the Bible about pride. And what it says about pride, it says some intense things about pride, like pride comes before the fall. I don't want to fall. It says that God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. I don't want to be opposed by God. So I had to start praying for humility. And for literal years, I pray for humility. And even to this day, almost every day, and I've watched how even though I still love myself, I love myself a little more appropriately. (laughs) And I read verses that say to hold others as higher than yourself. And I can actually do that now. Like, I can actually look at people in all their mess and ugliness and whatever and say, no, 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 I see what God is in you. I, can, I see what he can do for you and, and in you and through you. And I just want to, like, exalt that in you and serve you. I never used to be able to do that. It was something I'm still working on leaving behind. And I could talk about lust, like some people in this room, including myself. So I could talk about anger, how every time something doesn't go right, I just get pissed off. I, I could talk about money how stuff and money controls so many people, and you might need to leave it behind. I could talk about laziness. We just clearly don't want to do anything about anything, and that's sin. The Bible literally says to, to know what you ought to do and to not do it is sin for you. I could talk about all those things, but here's the point I'm trying to make about moving forward with God is that you're going to have to make decisions that other people are not willing to make. You're going to be around a world and a culture as you're trying to walk this faith out and you really believe this thing and and maybe you're in some good groups and you have some good people speaking into you, but then you're going to have other people who are going to say things like this. Man, you're just really taking your faith kind of serious, aren't you? Ever heard that one? Man, you're you're just being religious. Like you're really making a big deal out of it. It's not that, like that thing, that's not that big of a deal. Why, Why are you stressing it? You're going to hear excuses like that that are not being spoken to you by God. And they're surely not being spoken to you by people who know God. But that's what the world's going to tell you. That's what the culture's going to tell you. You don't need to leave things behind. That's just too much. That's a little bit extra. But the people who made the most impact in the Bible, the people who I know in my circles that are literally just changing the world, day after day impacting people over and over selflessly, dropping their agendas for the sake of other people's, are people who are making crazy decisions to leave things behind. 
Things that sometimes I even look at. And I'm like, okay, let me give you an example. Jeff's going on a six-month sabbatical. We sat in staff meeting this Wednesday. Jeff Smith is an amazing man, if you don't know that. We, Jesus is up here, Jeff's way down here, but Jeff is a great vessel of the Lord, is he not? We sat in staff meeting, and this man, so humbly, it annoyed me, first of all, so humbly sits there, and he's like, yeah, when we leave for this six-month sabbatical, we're expecting to just come back completely transformed. I'm like, what are you talking about? What could you have to transform? Like, I look at my life, and I look at his life, and I'm like, if you've got a whole transformation to go, what am I doing? Literally, and then we spent time praying for over them as a staff, and I was so selfish. In my head, I'm like, God, I need more of that. I can't pray for him. You need, I need to pray for me right now. But even guys like him have something to leave behind. All of us have something to leave behind. What is it for you? Because these people who make a big difference understand this truth and are constantly, like, like uncomfortably, looking for what they might have to leave behind in their life. They understand there's no point in gaining the world if you're going to lose your soul. And then Jesus later in this same gospel literally says, if you gain your life, you will lose it. Meaning if you pursue the things you want, the world the way you want it, you will literally lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Do we believe that? That's a hard truth. That's hard to know what that really means but it's a truth that he gives us. So we have to be, to be really about this business of faith, not to say we believe it, but to really be about it. We have to be ready and willing to make hard decisions to leave behind things that are holding us back from following Jesus in a way that changes the world. Let me give you a couple biblical examples of this and how important it is. The first thing that came to mind when I was prepping this message is the young ruler out of Luke 18. He came up to Jesus and he asked Jesus, Lord, what do I need to, to, to receive eternal salvation? Like, what do I got to do? And he, he lists off the good things, the religious things. He's like, I've done this and this and this and this. But Jesus saw the one thing he needed to leave behind, didn't he? And he said, then give away all your stuff and follow me. And this man who listed off all the things he had done, well, I've done this and I don't do these things and I've kept this commandment. Jesus saw right through it and said, you got a whole bunch of stuff and a whole bunch of money that has you. Leave it, and then you can follow me. And what does he say? He got sad and walked away. He listed off the right things, but God knows the one thing we have to leave behind. What's it for you? How about Matthew 16, when Jesus is talking, and they're asking what they got to do to follow him, and he says, if anyone wants to follow me, the first thing he says is deny himself. There are things you have to deny about you. There are things you have to actively be pursuing to leave behind in order to follow Jesus and where he has for you and what he has for you. And it says, deny himself and then take up his cross. How about one more example? This one's tough. A man came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to follow you? But before I follow you, can I go bury my father? If you know the story, you know what Jesus says. And I don't think we think this is a very Jesus-y answer. But Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Follow me now. Even good things sometimes are what we got to leave behind for God's sake. What's it for you? What's the thing that you might have to leave behind? Let me ask you again, that you might have to leave behind to follow Jesus, to take the, and it's just one step, right? You don't never end this. So, some of my seasoned people in the room, I like that word, seasoned. You've walked through multiple seasons of when you leave one thing behind, what's he do? Shows you the next thing you got to leave behind. But you know what the problem is? We never take that first, 
first step of faith to let go of the first thing, we don't ever find the second thing. We don't ever find the third thing. And then we've got an entire backlog of things God wants out of our life, but we never started at step one. It's a process. But we have to start it. And let me just encourage you, if something is popping to mind right now that you know has got to be gone, that's Holy Spirit talking to you. Don't ignore it. Like the times I'm sitting in this room or in house church or, or, or in the grove or awaken and, and, and something pops into mind while someone's talking, I, I immediately, even if I don't like it, and I'm, maybe I'm not going to do it if I'm just going to be frank, but I, I pay attention because that's God saying something. If you've got something, the minute I say, what do you got to leave behind? Something popped in your mind. That's God talking to you. Don't say he doesn't talk to you when you ignore it. God's speaking to you right now. If something pops to your mind, leave that thing. It's okay. We're in this together. It's not for you, though. The purpose is assigned from God for you. The places he wants you to be, you're not going to get there unless you leave behind whatever it may be. But I'm not going to leave you without a how. So this isn't easy. I think we can all acknowledge that. Like, there's plenty of things in my own life as, like, a pastor that I know God's trying to actively cleave, and there's times I just fight back. I'm like, I don't really want that. I don't want that gone. Keep that here. I want this right in my circle. This is, stay out of my circle, Jesus. And he's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in the business of staying out of your circle, bro. I'll get all up in your circle. But, but here's a couple hows, two simple hows, how we do this. How do we leave things behind? The first one is this, ask God for help. Look at my shirt, y'all, I wore it on purpose. Ask God. Reese, where, I'm going to use you as an example again. My man, everybody say, hi, Reese. Yeah, y'all, that was so weak. All right, we're, we're going, don't worry, we're going to get there by the end of this service. Ask God for help. Reese is a, a brother of mine, a, a dude I mentor from the Grove, our young adult group. And one thing I love about Reese is he asked me 18 billion questions a day. Okay, that many, literally. He just constantly like, what should I do in this situation? Where should I be going? Like, how do you think that God would be doing this? And like, he, he gets annoyed at times because all, like, all the time I'm like, bro, I don't know. Ask God. <laughs> Pray about it. And he's like, that's what you told me last time. And yeah, the answer hasn't changed. <laughs> the answer is still to ask God. Like if the Bible says pray without ceasing, why do we pray once and expect an answer? Ooh, if Abraham had to pray for a baby till he was 100, why do you think you're going to get what you asked for casually right now? We got to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. We have to ask God. The things that I've successfully removed out of my life that at times I never thought would be removed are because I prayed about it every single day. It wasn't because like a magical counseling guru book had a good one-liner and my life was changed. No, God transforms you via you talking to him via a relationship and listening. The second one is this, verbalize it to someone and ask for accountability. This is why at Grace, if you talk to any leader here and they're like, I wanna grow in my faith, what do I do? We're gonna probably list the same three things, maybe in this order, pray, read your Bible and get in community. We're gonna say that to everybody. At every level of ministry, we tell you that, why? Because if you do not start verbalizing things to people, getting it out into the light so it can burn up, if you just keep hiding it in here, not talking about it because it's uncomfortable, not talking about it because it's ugly, it has no chance to dissipate in the light of God because you've kept it in the dark. And the minute you verbalize something to somebody, you now, whether or not you like it, have someone who can hold you accountable to it. I personally hate this. I have someone in my life named Alex Gilbert who planted Zeal Church, and we love Alex, do we not? And uh, he's my accountability dog who, like, there's just times, this happened last week, last week, where there was something I knew I had to talk to him about, and I literally, every part of my being didn't want to. Why? The devil wants you to keep that stuff in because then nothing changes. 
and I'd have a super uncomfortable conversation where I was just like, I don't feel like I've been doing this very well. And, you know, I feel like this has been kind of like this. And, and I even feel like I've failed you a little bit. I had to admit something to him, like ask for forgiveness for him for, for something. What's it for you? And are you putting it on the table to somebody? And, and this is why we, don't, we said like Sundays aren't enough. Going to house church once a month isn't enough. Like making the million excuses to not be in community isn't enough. Like one thing I love about my wife, Jess, is that like we drop things for community. It's not the other way around. We don't only go to community when like it fits our schedule. Community is our schedule. Everything else is shaped around it. That's a mindset we have to adapt and it's really hard. That's not easy. But that's what we have to do. We need to be in regular communities so we can verbalize things and ask for accountability. And you're going to start to notice how the things you have to leave behind start naturally being left behind. Like you were muscling your way through it. And then when you did these things and, and some others, stuff just starts to melt away naturally. It's a lot easier than you thought because you put good things into place. But, but let's go on. I, I just got one other main point because like this is so packed and I really struggled like what to pick out of this because if you read the Bible, the Bible says it's a, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing joint and marrow. You can read a single verse 500,000 times and get 500,000 different things out of it. Like this isn't just a book. This is the word of God alive, right? So I was struggling because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like there's so much I can pull out of this. And then God hit me with this next one. And it's, it's what we're going to sit on the rest of this time. All right. But let's continue in the story. After these two were picking back up when the disciples had left something behind to pursue God deeper. After they left them, they immediately started making impact. That's what I love is when you make a hard decision to leave something behind, God will use you right away. Right away. Whether it's in a little way or a big way, he's going to use you because you were faithful. And what does the Bible say? If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. So when you're faithful with little, he gives you what's next. They make impact right away. Verses 40 and 42. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. That's massive in and of itself because of who Peter is. We first found, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Listen to this, y'all. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The interaction here between Jesus and Peter, this all happens so quick. It is like the most odd but awesome thing, like, ever. Okay, because Jesus meets him, and, and the first thing Jesus does, we have to see this because anything Jesus does is intentional. He changes his name. Now, this, like, in the world's eyes makes no sense. Like, this doesn't, like, let me, get, let me give you all an example, okay? I'm going to meet some of y'all real quick, okay? Here we go, here we go. <laughs> What's up? Connor, son of, what's your dad's name? Jim. Son of Jim. <laughs> you will be called Bobby. <laughs> Manny, the son of, what's your dad's name? Manny. Wow. <laughs> Manny, son of Manny. You will be called Fontuego. Don't ask me how to spell it, because I frankly don't know. One more. I got to meet one more person. I got to meet one more. My brother, what's your name? Doug. What is it? Uh, Doug. Doug, what's your dad's name? Ken. Ken? Doug, son of Ken. From now on, you'll be called Hooray. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the thing. Uh, some of y'all in the room that have never met me and you don't know how crazy I am, that seems super weird. It was. That's my point. Who in the world meets people and just starts giving them new names? 
Nobody. Imagine if you're out in the church lobby and every person you shook their hand, they gave you a new name. You'd leave not knowing anything about yourself. <laughs> I now have seven middle names and like my first name's Spanish. I don't know what happened, but I walked in here named John. <laughs> like, Rodrigo, what? But that's what Jesus did here. Jesus meets Simon and tells him that his name is Peter. And from the world's perspective, this is ridiculous. But let me tell you something. When the creator of the universe tells you who you are, that's who you are. You are only who God says you are. You are only who God says you are. It's so significant, this interaction. Like, we all know the stories of Peter, hopefully, you know a lot about what he did. He's one of the most influential figures in the New Testament. And they meet for the first time, and Jesus essentially says to Peter, now that you've met me, this is who I say you are. When we meet Jesus, we are no longer who the world says we are. We immediately become who he says we are. The same way, the minute he met Peter, that's what happened. But let me prompt something in this moment. I think there's a lot of people in this room, myself included, who have been letting a lot of different voices tell you who you are. A lot of different voices tell you who you are. Listen, you, you've let what other people have said in anger decide who you are, how you view yourself. You've let your past reflect on what you think about yourself now. You've let your decisions dictate your identity. Your past hurts, pains, relationships, anxieties, depression, pride, insecurities, they all whisper to you about who you are. And for some of us, whether or not we know it, it's deeply distracted us from who God says we are. Because God's super clear about who you are. But does the world right now seem like we know who we are in Jesus? Because it would look like a lot different of a place if we really knew that, if we really understood that. We get so used to looking to our old habits, our old people, our old voices, telling us who we are and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, that even though we claim in our faith on Sundays that God makes us new, the old becomes our normal. Can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't operate in our normals. Jesus doesn't operate in the old voices that you hear. Jesus doesn't operate in the old person that you were. Jesus doesn't operate in yesterday. Jesus is right here, right now, telling you who you are every second that you breathe. He's declaring who you really are, not who everybody else says you are. Now listen to this. The Bible tells us clearly that God is our portion, it says. I think he uses the word intentionally. That God is our portion. He's what is meant to fill us up. He's what is meant to define us. He is what is meant to lead us. Yet how often do we allow things that aren't God to enter into our space? And how often do we receive things that God never meant for us to have? What's it for you? But think about it, y'all. We don't do this. We don't allow this to happen in any avenue of life except for faith. Any avenue of life except for God. Like, no situation in life do we just let the wrong thing come into our life and just accept it. Let me give you some examples. How many of you, this is about to, we are feeding Jeff Bezos' pocket, but I'm guilty. How many of you ordered an Amazon package over the holidays? Come on, show of hands. How many of y'all? Okay, so now I'm just judging how many of y'all ordered Amazon, how many of y'all are liars. <laughs> like, either one. 
well, it was a crazy holiday season. We got a couple incorrect packages. Let me ask you, when you get an incorrect Amazon package, what do you do? If you ordered like a griddle and you open it up and it's a pink teddy bear, you don't accept it. You send it back, right? You say, that's not what I ordered. I'm going to send it back to where it came from. How about this? You uh, work hard to make your money. 40 hours is up, 50 hours is up. God bless your soul if it's higher than that. And that check comes in and it is not nearly what you were told you were gonna be paid and you realize the wrong name is on the check. You got somebody else's paycheck and it's not the correct amount. What do you do? Do you deposit that and not eat that week? No, you go to your boss and you say, sir, my paycheck should be far higher than this. I worked for that money. I decline it, please give me the correct check, right? Let me give you a final example. You go to a restaurant, and you hungry, okay? And if you're like vegan or whatever, like I appreciate that, just stick with me for a second. And you order a big fat steak. Oh man, it's medium, medium rare, a little bit juicy. My wife is like gagging on the other side of the table, but I'm salivating, okay? Got some potatoes on the side, mm-hmm. I'm about to be filled up. Well then, <laughs> what happens? The waitress comes out with a kale salad. <laughs> no croutons. Mistake number two. What are you going to do? I'm going to look at this waitress. I'm going to appreciate who she is in the Lord, first of all. But then I'm going to say, I respectfully decline this kale salad. Could you please take it back to the kitchen where it came from and bring me what is meant to be on my plate? Yet in faith, so often we accept identities and words and feelings that are not from God. In faith, so often we accept voices from people, we accept things from people that are filling up our plate that were never meant to be on the plate, and we let it sit there. But family, today if you're in this room and you've believed that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, what you ordered is the love and grace of God on your life, the blessings of God on your life, the favor of God on your life, the people of God around you that are going to change everything about you in your life, that's what you ordered. Why are we accepting less? I would like to, to say if the Bible today says that our portion is Jesus, our plates should be filled with Jesus, then we need to stop letting our plates be filled with things that God never sent to us. Like I know the culture and people around you have a lot to say about you, have a lot to say about your situations, because a lot of people like to say a lot of things. Your past has a lot to say about you, but I'd like to submit today that just because somebody said something to you does not mean that you have to receive it and digest it. It's their choice to send it. It's your choice to receive it. Don't eat the kale salad when God has a steak for you. Can we stop receiving things that we can send back? Because I'd like to declare today that if we are only who Jesus says we are, then we have the authority with the help from Holy Spirit in us to respectfully decline the things that God does not want on our plate. And we can look at those things, whatever it may be, your past, those decisions, what those people have said about you, the hurt, the anxiety, the depression. We can look at those things and say, I respectfully decline that. Send it back to where it came from. Bring me out what I ordered. Because what God ordered for me is way better than that kale salad. Nothing on kale salads. The question is, are you doing that, though?
Like, it's easy to say these hyped up things. Man, I can get up here and get excited. I live an excited life. If you're, like, behind closed doors, half the time I'm like this too. And the other half is when I'm sleeping. Do you know what I mean? But like, it's one thing to say it and get excited about it and feel it. It's another thing to do it. What in your life today do you need to start saying no to? I respectfully decline what you're trying to give me. What do you need to leave behind in order to more fully embrace who God says you are? They go together. Maybe you aren't understanding who God says you are because of all the things you haven't left behind yet. I know that can be true for me. But then just to hammer this home, look at the next passage, the next like eight verses, the rest of uh, up until verse 51. I'm going to read it for you. So this is after Peter's renamed, after Peter is, is told who he is because when the God of the universe tells you who you are, that's who you are. And then it says, Philip found Nathanael then and said to him, we have found the one who, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Imagine if somebody said that to you about America, how would y'all feel? Maybe give you a little. Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus said, Nathanael, saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Do we see it's the exact same story? Do we see it's the exact same interaction? Nathanael comes to Jesus with this smug ugliness. I'm, I'm bigger than life. Who, you can't be the Messiah. You can't do this. I, I believe what I want to believe. Know anybody like that? And Jesus doesn't see him for the ugliness. Jesus doesn't see him for the rudeness. Jesus doesn't see him for how he's acting. In the same way we shouldn't see people because of how they act, we should see them as who Jesus sees them. But Jesus says to him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. He calls Nathanael out for who God says he is, not how he's acting. He sees you the same way. You could have been at a club last night doing who knows what, and still this morning, God's the one who tells you who you are. You, you and your spouse could have gotten the biggest fight on the way to church right now. I mean, y'all, come on. And God still defines who you are. You could be in this moment right now and feel like all of this is just really far away from you because you haven't been doing any of this. And God still, in this moment, says who you are. The same way Nathaniel came all kinds of ugly. And Jesus called him for who he is, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. He says, this is who you are. And I don't care what you've done or what other people say about you. This is who you are. And in a minute, we're going to respond I'm going to give you the chance. We're going to give you the chance to respond to who God says you are. But there's one more thing I have to highlight out of this. This is so applicable to what God says about us as to what he said to Peter. When he meets Peter, we read it already. He, he tells him who he is. He renames him. But we have to see the importance of the renaming. He says, Peter, you're no longer Peter, you're Cephas. In English, Peter trans, or Cephas translates to Peter. In Aramaic, Cephas translates to rock. Three years later, what does Jesus say to Peter? You're going to be the rock on which I build my church. Do you know that when you encounter God and he renames you and changes you and says who you are, he also sends you with direction. He also sends you with purpose. So, so in this moment, let me ask you, if you've come to know Jesus and, and, and this, this is real for you, that's why you're here. You want to learn more. You want to go deeper. If I asked you when he called you, what he called you to, and you aren't sure maybe that's your prayer for today. What's my purpose? Because the minute he met Peter, he sent him on a mission. 
And what do we know of Peter? He becomes the rock of the church. He preaches at Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved in the matter of a second. And then he goes on to live one of the most effective ministries to ever have been lived until he's crucified. He didn't just say, hey, this is who you are. He said, this is where I'm sending you. That's what God is doing for you. God doesn't just call you from something. He calls you to something. So I'm not just telling you, hey, leave stuff behind and then just wander aimlessly. No. The minute you let it go and you embrace that Jesus has called you to something, he's going to three, like for Peter, it was three years in the future. It wasn't the next day. But Peter walked and walked and walked. And let me encourage you, Peter failed and failed and failed. Maybe in this room, like that's where you're at. You don't think you can step into who God says you are. You don't think you have any direction or purpose from him. And it's just because you're full of the failures that you feel like you have. Like unworthiness, insignificance, that you're just not far, you don't know enough. But Peter was the man who cut a dude's ear off. Peter was the man who sunk in the water. Peter was the man who denied three times. And yet he was the rock of the church. What's God have for you? He didn't just call you into this faith to say you're a Christian. He called you to do something. And he wants to do it with you. But that's my encouragement for you this morning before we take a moment here. And I'm going to ask you guys to respond. But Peter kept pursuing, kept sacrificing, kept loving until eventually he became who God made him to be and understood why God renamed him. When you walk faithfully, it's just going to start to make a lot more sense. He's going to start to, it's called a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He shows you the next step. He's not a floodlight onto your life. He's a lamp onto your next step. What it might it be for you? And maybe that's just not where you're at today. But you need to leave today with a fresh reminder of who God says you are. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I'm going to ask you to get in your own space right now. Even in this moment, start praying. Talk to God. What do you got to leave behind? Who, who does God say you are versus who has other people been telling you what are? What's been weighing you down that God's saying, no, 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 if you focus on me, that's irrelevant. And I'm just going to start kind of talking and, and I want to let God lead this, but, but I think there's people in this room who need to be released from things. There's people in this room who have just been holding on to stuff for a really long time. There's people in this room who have a lot of people and situations and circumstances telling them who they are, and it's got them just feeling terrible, but God doesn't want that for you today. He doesn't want you to walk out thinking those same things about yourself. He doesn't want you to walk out of this room with the same chains you dragged in here, and your chains are welcome here, to be clear. But God doesn't want you to walk out with them. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to go. And we believe here so deeply that if you take a physical step in faith, often God prompts a spiritual reaction. So, so if something's speaking to you, and if maybe God already is, we're going to ask you just to, in your own seat, don't worry about anybody around you. Don't worry about the people to your left, to your right, behind you. in front. You're just, we're just going to ask you to stand. No one's looking. I'm not even looking. It's you and Jesus, and it, maybe you've got to come up front as we go into this time of worship and, 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 and word, but whatever it is, like, let him speak it. You didn't come to church just to sit in a pew today. You came to experience God. But I think there's people in this room that have let broken relationships define them. You've let that relationship decide who you are, and God doesn't see you that way. 
He calls you redeemed and restored. And maybe that's you and you've just got to stand. Maybe you've just got these habits and maybe addictions and maybe things you, you just don't want, but they're, they're just stuck to you. And God's in this moment saying, leave it behind. It's going to be hard. It's going to be ugly. You're not going to do it perfectly, but, but leave it behind so you can take that next step with me. And maybe that's you and you just got to stand. And maybe you got to get on your knees, however you do it. And, and maybe today, like you've just been fighting for joy and you don't have it. But God says, I am your source of joy. I am all of the above. I am your love. I am your peace. And you want to receive it today, so you're going to stand up. And for, for some of us, there's just people in our lives who didn't love us who were supposed to love us. The people who were supposed to be the closest to you, the people who were supposed to love you the most, let you down over and over and over again. And all you've ever felt is that separation and that you can't be loved. But God looks at you and loves you infinitely more than any human being could ever love you. He is a good, good father, and you need to stand today to receive and accept and just give him praise for that. I think there's a father in the room who doesn't think he can be a good dad because he didn't have a good dad. How many of us need to know we have a perfect father in this room today? A perfect father who never lets us down. A perfect father who's there when other people weren't. And you just got to stand to accept and embrace that he is your heavenly father. Some of us have let this political climate completely wreck us. It's defined who we are. We've identified with a side and we've forgotten who God says we are. And it's, it shows because of how we're treating other people who are made in the image of God. Let me remind you and others that God loves everybody. God is speaking life onto everybody. And maybe right now is when you got to let that go. You're going to walk out of this room and that's going to stop bothering you as much because we don't serve the left or the right we serve up. Maybe some of you have just been hurt and betrayed and broken. And it's just so hard to even talk to God because you wonder why he would let that stuff happen. But God's been screaming the entire time. That's never what I meant for you. I have so much more to you. Just draw near to me. I am the person who, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death with me, you will fear no evil. For I am your rod, your staff, your fortress, your comfort. I want to be that for you. Maybe you need to stand to receive that. Maybe you got to get on your knees and thank them for it. Maybe you got to come forward. Whatever you got to do, don't worry about the person to your left, the person to your right. The worst thing you could do is leave today and not respond to God because you were too worried about the person sitting next to you. God's not worried about that. He's worried about you. He loves you so much. Maybe success has defined you your entire life. The right job, the right money, all the right stuff. If you don't have those things, you don't feel whole and it shows in how you treat other people. But God's saying, listen, I am your provider. You can be fully content and fulfilled in me. You just have to come to me. And maybe there's some stuff you got to leave behind because that stuff isn't who you are. I don't look at you and think you have a big house. Good job. I don't look at you and think you work really hard at your job and make a lot of money. Good job. I look at you because I made you and say, I love you. Good job. And maybe this is just weird to you. I'm so glad you're here. Because the God of the universe is so close, so infinite, intimate, and, and so comfortable being with you that it's moments like these that we get to take a step of faith, even when it's uncomfortable, because God is here. 
He wants something for you. He wants something new for you. He wants something better for you. He loves you so much. Do we feel it this morning? We're not here to just sit in a seat. We're here to experience God. Right now, God is just he's speaking over who you are, where he wants you to be, what he has for you. And I'm just going to list off some truths of who God says you are. Not what the world says you are, not what you think you are, not what the culture says you are, what factually and truthfully God says you are. And as you hear something that, that might just be for you, if you got to praise him, you got to say amen, you got to stand up, you got to get down, whatever you got to do, because these truths are for you, do it. The word of God says that you are loved more deeply than you could ever imagine. You are forgiven past present future and listen to me it doesn't matter if you can forgive yourself God can forgive you and he wants that for you you are righteous this this one was for me there's so many things that I fail in and it makes me feel about certain way about myself that I'm not good enough that I that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing but God says he looks at us and sees righteous perfect holy he says you're redeemed that's a truth that means anything that's been broken in your life is redeemed in Jesus everything who needs that this morning you are set apart you're a child of God listen you are beautifully and wonderfully made no matter what the mirror says to you you are beautifully and wonderfully made believe it about yourself this morning because he believes it about you you are knitted in your mother's womb by God himself that means if you don't feel like you have a purpose here, you can trust that God created you intentionally and with purpose. You are the temple of God. You are brand new. The old has gone. The new has come. You are not overcome, but conquerors in Christ. Some of us in this room feel overcome by life. It's a crazy time right now. Can we hold to the truth of the Bible that we are not overcome, but conquerors? Do we believe it? You are free from condemnation. That one was for me. Let me just say it again. You are free. You are free. You are free. Let the chains of those problems and burdens, past hurts, anxieties, depressions, let God take them right now. Some of you are going to feel it in this moment. Lift off your shoulders. How good is God? You are a friend of God. And you are only who God says you are. Let's sing this. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.